Sometimes, despite your best efforts, your recovery gets derailed. Powerful life triggers, a lack of support, a wrong turn. Relapse happens, it's frustrating, but the important thing is to not wait another day to get back on track. Foundations Recovery Network is here to help with more than a dozen outpatient programs and six residential treatment centers to choose from. Our co-occurring treatment model gets to the root of your addiction, putting you back on the road to recovery. Call 877-714-1318 to reach our confidential helpline 24-7. We're waiting by the phone. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Welcome to Sober Guy Radio. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. We're live at Innovations and Recovery Conference in San Diego, California, brought to you by Foundations Recovery Network. Big thanks and much love to them for bringing us out and letting us hang out with some awesome people here and talk about recovery. Uh, we're having a great time. This is actually going to be the last of the series of the IIR series, and we've really gotten the opportunity to just speak to some wonderful people. And uh, no one better to wrap it up today than Dr. Louise Stanger. Um, it's great. We spoke in Nashville, and uh, we ran into each other again here today. So she is back to join us. Uh, Dr. Stanger, how are you? Well, I am so honored to be back with the sober guy. I just love the work you do. I love the fact that you are presenting a forum and spreading the message and giving tools and strategies for people out there, families who are worried, people in recovery, and it's just great to be back. I, I love it. Thank you so much for the kind words. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's great. We're all kind of playing our own individual role and we all have our strengths. And when we come together uh, collectively as a community in recovery, uh, we can really make a huge difference. So it's great to have you. Um, I understand. So um, you're, you, you spoke yesterday on chronic pain, uh, substance abuse, obviously recovery. Um, what were some of the details of that, uh, of that presentation you gave? Oh, thanks. Well, I'm sure you know that chronic pain affects more people in the United States than heart disease or diabetes. And I'm sure you know that today, with the opioid crisis we have in the United States, that approximately 97 people per day die because of an opioid overdose. And like, how did all that start? Where did we suddenly um, come to have so many people um, thinking that, you know, opioids are good for them. Well, if, if I can give you a little history lesson for a second. I, would love, I love history. So, do you like Halloween? Uh, yeah, actually, I love Halloween. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so is my kids. They get tons of candy. Okay, so if we go back to 2002, Trick or Treat, okay. when Clinton was in the administration, there was a message given to all physicians about pain policies. Mm-hmm. And they said that in every ER or every doctor's office, you had to start assessing for pain. And it was a pain chart, right? A pain chart. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your pain? And at the same time, pharmaceutical companies were developing hydrocodone, oxycontin, and they were being given, they were being told, one needs to prescribe. Because the idea when someone had pain was to get well, not to have a problem. 
And in those days, so you have two things going converging. One, you had a mandate on pain policies that now we must like assess for chronic pain or pain. Yeah. Two, we now have a new development of drugs that people really weren't sure about how to use. So say and how for, do you tell if somebody's lying when they say my pain is an eight when really their pain is a two and they're just I don't think that people I don't think people are lying. There's a difference between acute pain and chronic pain. Most pain resolve, resolve, resolves itself in 90 days. So let's say we had a car accident, we were texting while driving, we had, if we're older, we might have had a hip replacement, knee replacement, shoulder, if we're out being a weekend warrior or um, we're actually a real athlete, we may have had shoulder, knee, um, ankle, um, back injury. So most pain will resolve in 90 days. That's okay. acute pain. Chronic pain is when pain persists. And it's really evidence-based that pain persisting can be as much psychological as well as induced by opioids. There's something called, it's really interesting. Do you know what hyperanalgesia is? I absolutely do not, but please do tell. Okay, so <laughs> say for example, um, I'll use myself. Okay. I had knee replacement. And say for example, and that's really painful surgery, by the way. Oh, yeah. You have to relearn how to walk. You have to relearn how to, to use your um, leg. You have to learn how to relearn how to kneel. And there's a lot of ways in which you relearn how to do that, not just through medication. But let us say that I said the pain still persists, and it persists and I'm still taking opioids because in those days they might have given me that. And this could be six months to six a year months down to a the year road. Down the I road. Do a physical therapy. That That's kind of right. Okay, got it. And so I develop now what's something called hyperanalgesia. My skin sort of is prickly and it really feels to the touch, but it's not the knee replacement that is giving me the pain. It is actually the perceived pain from the opioids. Wow. So the opioids are now creating pain. There's an astounding research that just came out in 2016 from the University of Arkansas, which says that if you have an opioid prescription for three days, you have a 10% um, chance of becoming substance abuse dependent. If you have two prescriptions for 10 days in a one-year period, you have a 40% chance of becoming addictive. So if we take that information plus what we know about how to assess for substance abuse, A, age of first use, B, big changes, C, co-occurring disorders, and D, DNA, meaning family history, and we add that to someone who has experienced chronic pain, wow. Yeah. We've got a Tusami going on. We have a pandemic going on. <laughs> Man, it is. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. The uh, well, I don't even know if "incredible" is the the right term to use. Just it's it's sad and it's a huge problem that is sweeping our country. What what's going on? What is what is being done? Um, you know that you're seeing to help help fight the addiction and the the doctors actually 
because um, not the doctors ultimately. It's I mean, it's a whole there's whole collective elements to it. I think what is being done to help combat this? Right now? Well, there is a recall, like for example, in terms of how many you know, there's a whole new pain policies on what is good prescriptions or one are not so good so, prescriptions. So back to the pain chart, actually, because I I think I kind of steered you away from that. Um, how, how does that relate then, and how does it change up until now on, on, on the pain policy? Well, when you have someone who experiences chronic pain, you have to have a multimodal approach to problem solving, especially when they become addicted to fentanyl, to other types of opioids. Okay. And with chronic pain also comes mental health issues. So make no mistake about it. Depression, anxiety, and anger are very, very common because... I'm no longer the person I could do. I can't go to work. I'm not in and with family members. I'm just not the person because my whole life is now centered around the chronic pain. Yeah. So, and then the other thing is families say, well, wait a minute. The doctor told them to. And so one has to break and say, okay, one of the things that's happened is this chronic pain has become your entire way of life. So how are we going to begin to change that? Because there may be some elements of pain that that are still part there. So there's a multimodal approach. It can be mindfulness is really important in terms of restructuring cognitive, breathing. It can be some medication, acupuncture, um, a lot of somatic kinds of things, chiropractic. Um, massage and then there's a lot of different therapeutic modalities that one will use in terms of being able to restructure and relive I mean I consult now at Driftwood Recovery so I can give you a couple case examples yeah, yeah that'd be great there's a woman there that that's sort of like maybe she's 60 or something and she had two knee replacements one shoulder surgery and literally when I met her she had absolutely no affect and you see how close we are sitting yeah she couldn't even shuffle from here to there really her she was depressed and forlorn she had taken a fentanyl overdose and that's why she was in the hospital and when I was out there and really we just had a conversation I told her a little bit about me I shared about my rehab and in addition, she was seeing, you know, she was doing psychological work. She was doing physical therapy. Yeah. She was doing all different kinds of things. Well, last week, guess what? She took a ride in a kayak. She was <laughs> paddling in a kayak. That's the first time. She is now going to be going to her daughter's wedding. Really? Amazing. Yeah. Another young person that was there with chronic pain, he was a motocross racer. That will bring you some chronic pain. Yeah, that, that, dangerous, can, that is dangerous really sport. dangerous. <laughs> and probably the best modality for him is bad accident. Yeah. Has been mindfulness. I mean, peop, it's amazing what when you have some training in mindfulness coupled with all the other things, you can begin to do things. And will you still have pain? Yes. But if you can learn to understand that this pain sometimes is more in your head than it actually is real so when you say of, mindfulness like what like elaborate on that a little bit uh, what do you mean okay so mindfulness is a strategy where i can learn if we were doing it right now i say you know let's forget about this podcast okay let is your and i would say to you is your mind full 
or is your are you being mindful so mindful means right now my head is really cluttered what is he going to ask me what's the next thing i'm going to say we're at a conference who do i get to meet and my mind sure, is racing okay. and with a cry oh my god i can't do this i can't do that you know yeah. i'm going to be dis- i can't go to work I, I i can't do you know i can't be intimate whatever very overwhelming overwhelming thoughts and feelings and- but if i asked you for a moment let's pause okay Let's close our eyes. Breathe. Breath work. I want you to just imagine. Imagine possibility. Just breathe. Let go. Let go. Let go of that pain. Imagine you're walking. You're walking in a glen. You're able to pick that flower up. Just breathe. Okay? Come on back now. Hmm. Yeah, I think I want to like lay down and just take a nap. And it's probably the most relaxed I've been in the three days I've been here. <laughs> so <laughs> like, what? Honestly, and funny. so I, I can <laughs> tell you a personal truth is I had knee replacement surgery. I thought I was going in for a haircut. Oh my God. <laughs> Woo! Or a facelift I would have preferred, but that didn't work out. Oh my goodness. I know. And so I couldn't drive for eight weeks. In order to do it was very similar. The, the work I had to do was as arduous is if I was just starting in recovery. I had to do exercises four times a day. I had to rely on other people. I could not drive. And one of the things I couldn't do is I could not lay down. I could not I could not kneel. And I and I rehabbed at physical therapy. I went in a swimming pool and I learned you're going to I learned how to stand on one foot on two kickboards and walk back and forth. I learned how to re-swim there so I could begin to like put my leg down. Yeah. And what I learned and, I, and then I took a 12-week mindfulness course in order to see whether I could detach from perceived pain. And in that course, it was, I thought, oh, I don't want to do this. This is like a waste of, of time. I was doing physical therapy. I was talking to a therapist. I was complaining yeah. because I was isolated. <laughs> yeah, we start, like you said, you start getting pissed off. You get pissed. I was really in, like, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. You're not going to let me go out drive. Because your mind wants to do stuff, but physically you can't. And so I, what you're describing too is you're describing both ends of it. You're not only having to work physically to get better, but also now you're getting into the mental Emo- part of you it. You have to work emotionally. Yeah. You have to. That's got to be tough. And you also have to, somewhere along the line, someone has to give you possibility and hope. Oh yeah, the whole emotional and the whole thing it. that there's something higher than you. So, yeah. so you know, one of the exciting things I do, and and I was presenting with Driftwood Recovery from Austin, which is one of the few places in the country. I mean, there's some other that deal with chronic pain, yeah, substance abuse, mental health, and recovery, and it's exciting to see some of the things that happen. Because really, after a detox, like before detox, if someone's substance abuse dependent and they have chronic pain, they're going to say their pain is a 12 out okay. of, on a scale of 1.10. Wow. About the third day of detox, they're probably going to say it's about a 7. And then all of a sudden, 
it's like down like this woman that I just explained to you. She managed to put her body in a kayak. You don't hoist yeah. someone in. No. And she managed to use the paddles. I mean, and there's other stories like that. So it's possible. What about the spiritual element to it? How does that part play in? Well, I think there's always, you have to believe that there's a power greater than yourself. Sure. And you, you know, when people say to me, oh, you can never hurt someone, I help someone because, oh, they've had this chronic pain forever. So you say, so you say to someone, if I was talking to you, I go, how's that been going for you? Yeah. And, and the families who say, well, you know, they're just like that. They have this physical problem. And I go, well, how's that working for you? Huh. Because if it was working so good, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. And yeah. so once you realize that there's this sort of magical thing that um, it wasn't so much that I had a swim coach yeah. and I was in the middle of La Jolla High School rehabbing and walking back and forth and doing ice. It was like... Oh my God! <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm like thinking I'm a little surfer, and there is someone higher than myself. There's something greater than yourself yeah. that you have to sort of come to grips with, and that doesn't mean that you're going to be the basketball player you once were, or yeah. thing, but you can learn to live, and your preoccupation with life is not centered on your pain, is not you're not defined by your pain. In much the same way, you're no longer defined by your substance abuse. So if we if we took someone out there, let's say there's somebody listening right now who had a major surgery, um, you know, they are really dependent on the on um, opiates, let's say, to uh, to help with the pain. They don't want to be on them, but the physical addiction to them and the mental stress that's going down um, makes it completely, you know, it makes it very difficult, especially if you're trying to um, have family, all all the elements of life in general, mm -hmm. right? What do you say to that person? Where do they start to get some help and to start looking down a path so they can start in recovery? I would say just give a phone call. There's no, people don't call me unless their hearts are hurting. Yeah. In my business, their hearts are hurting. They've reached their end rope. And they're just not calling me up because, hey, Dr. Louise, I just want to talk to you. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Okay, how's it going? <laughs> you know, yeah. and I say to reach out because if, if someone's not the right place, then we'll find the right place. Hmm. Um, but there, but I really want to caution you. There's a lot of p places that say pain management. That's not pain recovery. Hmm. It's different. It's very, very different. Are you uh, are you still blogging or writing any articles? Oh my or? God, yes, I blog yeah. all the time. Um, if you want to, I I've been writing a lot of Huffingtons. Got In it. fact, last week I had one on the good, the bad, and the evil of cell phones. I still do a lot <laughs> on digital That's addiction. A great topic. Yeah. I just wrote one on trauma and addiction, and which really I the main thesis is, you know, indigenous to substance abuse is trauma. Yeah, so let's, yeah. they all go hand in hand. And there's also in terms of even, um, uh, even some chronic pain, like fibromyalgia, uh, Crohn's disease, arthritis. Really? There's some good research or evidence that says for women, at least there's been some kind of, um, trauma yeah. involved And trauma. Let me just clarify for you is a perceived, is an event perceived or subjective, but it's how it's integrated into you that a person sees that as uncomfortable huh. okay and most people who have experienced a substance abuse um, yeah. disorder have experienced something they've either done something people places things thoughts feelings and actions that that have not been 
there's some good evidence also that the more quantity and frequency you have to exposure to, to events that we might consider traumatic, you may end up then with more trauma. Yeah, it's interesting you brought you brought up to the uh, the technology addiction. Uh, yes. It's such a huge thing. I mean, I mean I, you walk around anywhere and it looks like, uh, and I'm guilty of it myself, so I'm definitely not judging. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to be aware of it, but it's just it's impossible sometimes. And you, you know, you see people walking blindly with their fa- with their faces stuffed in their phone. Um, and it's even it's even been I've even heard of people getting like ran over by cars. And that's like, right. Because we're so just dialed in, and and, and now what's happening? I'm even seeing it with my kids where we really have to be um, very aware of the amount that we allow them on the iPad because my daughter will she could sit there all day and look through play games and and, and then it will it will neurologically impair I invite you I've done a lot of writing on digital addiction and mm-hmm. actually I've been doing a lot of work with a different treatment center which is adolescent called paradigm Malibu and we've been going around giving lectures um, on you know screenagers, screenagers, and so I have like I guess yesterday I had some, a new blog come out. I don't know if you got it. It says adulting is hard to do, but it also has some digital. It says the latest the latest Huffington I did um, with Jim Hollenbach, and it says um, good phones, bad phones, evil phones, or something like that. So I really invite you, my own website is allaboutinterventions.com or you can Google my name, Louise Stanger, and that's Stanger, S-T-A-N-G-E-R, not stranger. And you can like get a ton of information. There's also, with respect to the young ones, there's some good research out from the University of Washington which really addresses like how much digital time should someone have because when I grew up obviously the black and white TV yeah was yeah. the babysitter yeah. and now it's, it's the iPad it's the iPad is <laughs> yeah. the babysitter and to what extent you know does finding Dora and Dora the Explorer and uh, Peppa the pig yeah. are, to what extent are they helpful and to what extent do they now? Rechange conversation. We- it's funny you bring up Dora because when my daughter was, I th- she was probably two, maybe two and a half, she loved Dora. And um, we were sitting in the kitchen one day, and I hear, I hear this, Ayudame, Ayudame. And I'm like, what? What? I don't speak Spanish. You know? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very li- I speak a little bit, but not very much. It's word, mostly curse words, actually. But I go, Ayudame. I go, what? what the? And I turn around, and she's stuck up on her height chair. She couldn't get down. She was saying help in Spanish, <laughs> and she got it from Dora. That's <laughs> so, right. That's I mean, it's, it's pretty funny um, how, how you know kids are like sponges, and so it is important to know what they're watching, number one, and then how much, uh, how much they're doing it. I did introduce you you came over when cam was here yesterday right cam adair he was he was from GameQuitters.com. oh yes and i was so fascinated by him definitely if you get time to connect with him he's a very intelligent guy and he's very passionate about helping um um not not just young adults but i found out from him um you know ages i think it was like 26 to 32 was the biggest age group of of men and women who are addicted to actual gaming and um they're doing some pretty cool work over there i think uh with your work in digital addiction you guys would fall i I would love it because to me um you know we know that there can be some positives for example um i'm involved with some charities one is teen line in los angeles it's the largest uh suicide hotline in the country and most of the ways that um, teens are reaching out is through texting. 
Got it. Yeah. And the same thing the with text line. Like text line. Text the line. same thing with the Trevor Project, which is an LGBT hotline nationally. And so we know that this is part and parcel, but we also know that digitally, if I'm not looking at you in the face and I don't know how to communicate with you, how can we ever have a relationship? Yeah, so yeah. that to me is scary for yeah, our our future. Yeah, there's no there's no connection there. Well, give out the uh, give out the information uh, one more time if folks could contact you, learn more about your work, uh, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Okay, you can always contact me at Louise Stanger or Doctor Stanger. Not stranger. Not stranger. S T A N G E R. My website is allaboutinterventions.com. My phone number is 619-507-1699. And I always promise that I will reach back out to you. I do have two books out. One is um, Learn to Thrive, which is a free handbook on my, from my website on interventions. And the other one is a memoir, which is about families. And it's called Falling Up, a memoir of renewal. And it's available on Amazon. And I am so grateful to be here today. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. I'm so glad we ran into you. Hopefully, I'll see you in Nashville. I love it. Innovations in Recovery. Uh, thank you for tuning in today, Sober Guy Radio. Go to thatsoberguy.com for any more information. Peace, love, respect. Thanks again to Foundations Recovery Network. Keep your blood clean. <laughs>